Last week, I announced that in 15 months, at the end of April of 2018, next year, I will be stepping down as your senior pastor. If you did not hear that announcement and would like to, you can view a video of it on our church website, newlifephilly.net, or on our church Facebook page. Uh, I think it will help you to understand my heart for the church in this significant season and my reasons and the timing for my retirement. We are now in an important transition period in the life of our church. Uh, We're talking about passing the leadership baton in the church. We'll be practicing for that over the next 15 months. We'll need a lot of practice. So today, what I'd like to try to do, and my heart is very full, I'm finding my emotions are bubbling out all over the place here, but uh, what I want to try to do today is to cast a vision for this transition period, a vision for getting from here to there. Just going to keep it simple. A vision for getting from here to there, from where we are to where we will be by God's grace. So we'll spend about the next half hour today in the first chapter of the Old Testament book of Joshua, seeing what it means for us to move into the future of God's great plan for us as a church. As the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, uh, the stories and the events in the Old Testament occur as examples for us so that we can learn about the heart of God and about how to live as followers of Jesus. Uh, What will we see in the lives of Joshua and the people of Israel that will help us in that regard today? So here's the backstory on the book of Joshua. After being led out of Egypt by Moses, the people of Israel have been wandering through the desert for 40 years. Uh, They're now camped along the east bank of the Jordan River. They're at the very edge of the land that God had promised them four decades earlier. Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. Joshua is their new leader. He's preparing his people to take the land that God had promised them decades earlier. And so the book of Joshua begins with God telling Joshua how to make his first move. It was Joshua who took the people of Israel into the promised land, not Moses. And it is you, not me, who will enter and possess the promised land that God has up ahead for this church. But I'm excited about that for you. And I will be walking with you. Shelley and I will be walking with you all the way from here to there. So how do we get from here to there? Most of us know what it's like to be stuck somewhere or stuck in something. We can't seem to move ahead. You ever had that experience? (laughs) Stuck in traffic. Or you're kind of stuck trying to take a group of people or an area of ministry from point A to point B. Or, Or maybe it's a project at work. It's just been floundering for too long. You just feel stuck feeling like you left the bondage of Egypt long ago, but you're stuck in a rut, stumbling along, wandering around in a wilderness, instead of inhabiting a holy land. 
So we don't want this time of transition to be a wilderness wandering. We want it to be a focused journey with Jesus leading us all the way. How do we get to that promised land? Well, let's read our text for today. It's Joshua chapter 1, the first five verses. So follow along as I read. This is the word of God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your feet, your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a wonderful part of God's word, isn't it? In these few verses, we see three aspects of this transition that Joshua and the people of Israel would go through in entering that promised land. And there are things that we will be going through, too, in order to make that move from here to there in a healthy, focused way. Uh, Here's what needs to happen. First of all, we need to turn the page. We need to turn the page. In other words, we need to be able to accept change. And most of us are for change until it happens to us, and then it's very challenging. It can be difficult. So what we're going to need to learn how to do is to honor and celebrate and learn from the past, but then be willing to let go of it. We must be willing to move forward, to take a new step that the times call for. Listen again to the first words that God speaks to Joshua. Verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses was a great man of God. God used him in many marvelous ways, miraculous ways. The anointing of God was on his life. As a child, he was saved from the sword of Pharaoh and, in fact, grew up in Pharaoh's royal household because God had saved him and God was preparing him for a mighty work. Through Moses, God saved the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Through Moses, God parted the waters of the Red Sea. Through Moses, God delivered the Ten Commandments and the books of the law. Moses was a great man of God, but he didn't live forever. He died in Moab at the age of 120 on a mountain overlooking the promised land so that he could see it, although he would not enter into it. The nation of Israel mourned his passing for 30 days, and then it was time for them to move on. Moses, my servant, is dead. Verse 2 goes on. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give them. So God was saying, in effect, turn the page, Joshua. Moses was a great man. He was my servant, but he's gone. It's time for you to move ahead. Now, let me be clear about this. I'm not a great man. I am a great sinner, 
and I have a great Savior. I've discovered that over 33 years of ministry. Praise God. And I'm not dead and gone yet either, and I also praise God for that. (laughs) God has given me some more time. I'm so grateful. But it's going to be time soon to turn the page, to accept the change. I think the greatest obstacle to experiencing the new day of the promised land ahead will be not letting go of yesterday. That will become a temptation. You might not feel it in this moment, but you may feel it soon. Not letting go of yesterday. Let me put it like this. You can't steal second base with your your foot still on first. At some point, you've got to take your foot off first and start running towards second. It's the same in life. It's the same in ministry. You need to honor, celebrate, learn from the past, but then let go of it. If you want to move into the future that God has for you and for our church. I see churches struggle with this quite often. There are a lot of horror stories out there. A new pastor comes in, but some folks never accept that the old pastor left. His name comes up at every meeting. Well, Pastor Bill used to do it this way, not that way. Do you think Joshua ever had that problem? I'm pretty sure he did. I wonder if the Israelites ever said, now wait just a minute, Joshua, that's not how Moses did it. At some point, you need to realize that you don't have your old pastor anymore, and it's time to move ahead into what God has next. Edmund Burke said the past should be a springboard, not a hammock. A springboard, not a hammock. He's saying that we shouldn't live in that past, but we can certainly use the lessons that we've learned that God has taught us in the past to move us forward, like a kind of springboard into the future. It helps us turn the page. John F. Kennedy said change is the law of life. Think about that. Change is the law of life, and those who look only to the past or present are certain to miss the future. When I went off to college, I found my classes to be much more demanding than in high school. I had to work harder than I ever had. I was surrounded by a lot of people who were a lot smarter than I was. I had to come to terms with the fact that that part of my life is over. This is what my life is now. I'm not in high school anymore. Get over it, John. The funny thing is that now I'm tempted to look back on my college days and think, life was so simple then. (laughs) Life was so much fun then. What happened? See, that's one of the tricks that the past will play on you. It always looks better than it actually was. Things look better, always look better in the rearview mirror. But if we look only in the rearview mirror, we're going to miss what's up ahead. You can't drive forward looking in the rearview mirror all the time. You can't do it. We'll miss the future. Let's not miss the future that God has for us. God is saying to Joshua, Moses, my servant is dead. It's time for you to move ahead. Turn the page. Accept the change. I have a new chapter for you. So, You'll need to be asking yourself, what page needs to be turned for me? 
What part of the past am I likely to want to hang on to? In what ways might I allow my yesterday to hold me back from God's tomorrow? We need to turn the page. We need to accept the change. I'm working on that, and I'm inviting you to do the same. Here's the second thing we need to do. We need to step into the future. We need to turn the page. Second, we need to step into the future. God made a bold promise to the people of Israel. God never shies back. He never holds back from saying bold things to his people. Verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot. You sure you want to go out on that limb, Lord? He's sure. I want you to know that God is making that same promise to his people today. He wants to give you every place where you set your foot. He wants to give you his authority, his power, his peace, his joy in every area of your life and ministry, where you live, where you work, where you serve in the days ahead. It's a bold promise. The Apostle Paul used a phrase that we would do well to repeat every day, to preach to ourselves, and certainly during this season of transition. He said in Romans 8, 37, in all these things, and when he says these things, he's talking about really painful, hard, difficult things. He says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. God loves you. He's proven it at the cross of Jesus Christ. There's the love of God just spread before your eyes. He loves you. And he made you to conquer with him in Jesus. He made you to succeed with him. He made you to thrive with him. He wants you to walk in the victory of Jesus Christ with him. And so that's what taking a walk into the promised land will be like. Walk like you belong there. Because you do. God loves you. He's called you to be there. And he makes a way that always works. Even when there seems to be no way, God will make a way. Back to college for a minute. A lot of kids, when they go off to college, they're, they're nervous about their future. And the truth is, maybe they're not real excited about the idea of moving out of the house or or living somewhere else. Maybe they're not completely convinced that they can get to class on time every day without their mother's gentle reminders. (laughs) How many of you mothers miss doing that? I bet not for a minute, right? (laughs) You know, the clock is ticking and it's time to rise and shine. They're not going to have that anymore. Maybe they're a little concerned about measuring up academically or fitting in socially. But after they've been there a while, their attitude usually changes. They send you an email that says, I had a history exam yesterday and just thought I'd let you know, I own that class. I own my English class too. In fact, I'll own this whole school by the time I'm done. Well, actually, for what you're paying, you should own the whole school by the time they're done. But that's not my point. Uh, My point is that even though they moved out of their comfort zone into a place where they're being challenged in many ways and being stretched 
to develop new disciplines and new skills, they end up going through a process that builds confidence and assurance that they pick up along the way. They end up going through a process that gives them a sense of ownership of their lives that perhaps they didn't have before. That they're responsible for their lives before God. So this is what God, I believe, wants for us in the days ahead. In, in every area of our life and ministry, God wants to take us through a process, a season that gives us a sense of ownership of the ministry of this church. That Jesus will always be Lord. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is that God does not want us to be disengaged. He doesn't want us to be defeated. He doesn't want us on the sidelines. He wants us to jump in. He wants us to thrive in his kingdom with righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because by his grace, we're the family of God. So this can be a season ahead where just think of the things that we can experience together. Love and joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Wow, these are our inheritance. These are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to plant in our lives and in our church body. He's wanting to grow these priceless qualities in you, in us, in our church, in this time of transition into the promised land that he has ahead for us. So start getting ready to step into the future he has for you here at New Life Church Philadelphia. Be talking to him about this. Be asking him, Lord, what do you want to produce in my life in this season ahead? What are you calling me into in this season ahead? And as he promised Joshua, verse 5, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. Does that mean Joshua never fought a battle? No. Does it mean Joshua never lost a battle? No. But it does mean that he lived his life in God's presence, in God's victory, always under the shadow or the umbrella of God's provision. And we can too. We need to step into that. In the words of one of my spiritual mentors, Jack Miller, in his daily devotional called Saving Grace for January 11th, I I read this this week as as this message was percolating in my spirit. And this is what he writes. Remember, God's power is yours in the stress, pain, and struggles of life. By faith, you can experience his power. And in the midst of your weakness, struggles, sins, and failures, you will overcome. But note, the emphasis is not on the victorious person, but on the victorious power. If you begin to think of yourself as a victorious person, you could easily go up like a rocket and down like a rock. The glory of what you are is the work of God. And if you're the work of God, you can't ultimately be defeated by the world. Amen? Praise God for that. We need to turn the page. We need to step into the future. Third, 
we need to believe the promises. We need to believe the promises. God said to Joshua, verse 5, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now that's exactly what Joshua needed to hear. And that was the promise of God. So whether you realize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, you are never out of God's sight. He never loses you. Where'd he go? Where'd she go? No. He sees you all the time. He's with you all the time. He watches over you all the time. He loves you all the time. He provides for you all the time. He's a good, good father. And I want you to understand that and accept that and believe that. Live out of that. Follower of Jesus Christ, God is with you always. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you're feeling not too sure about that these days, please don't make me start reciting that Footprints poem. You know the one I'm talking about? Because I will if I have to. (laughs) Have mercy. Okay. Remember that part of the poem where suddenly there's one set of footprints. There in the sand, there were two sets of footprints. Now there's one. And the guy says, this is during my darkest day. Did, did, Did I walk alone? And the Lord said, no. You know the poem. That's when I carried you. You remember that? Well, that's the way it really is. That's the way it really is. God said to Joshua and the people of Israel, and he's saying to you and me, every step you take, every place you go, I am with you in your victories and your defeats, in your good times and your bad times, in your dark days and your bright days. You can count on me always. That's what the Lord is saying. You can count on me always. Believe the promises I have given you. When I was growing up, our little country church used to sing a hymn called Standing on the Promises of God. Anybody remember that one? Standing on the Promises of God, right? It's really a great call to believe the promises of God. And one verse starts, Standing on the Promises of Christ my King. There it is. We need to know and believe the promises of God at this time of transition. We need to not only be standing on the promises of God, but walking on the promises of God. So what promises of God do you most need to hear and believe these days? Going forward into the future that God has for you and has for us as a church. Let me give you just a few of God's promises. The Bible is filled with them. So many promises of God. But I'm going to give you just my top ten promises of God for today. All right? Meant to encourage you in this season of transition. So I encourage you to pick one. Just pick just one that speaks to your heart, speaks to your situation, and really take it to heart. Uh, Start walking it out in the months ahead. Well, I'm going to read these promises, ten promises, without any commentary. Just let the word of God soak into your heart and your mind. 2 Peter 1, 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature 
and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Come to me, says Jesus, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Philippians 4, 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 37 through 39. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Proverbs 1, 33. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. John 14, 27. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The promises of God are powerful, and they're awesome, aren't they? And that's just a sampling. I mean, there are so many. Those are just my top ten for you today. I pray that they will help you as we move forward together in this season of transition. Believe them. They're for you. God didn't just speak those words into the air. He spoke them for you, for his people. Stand upon them. Walk upon them. And and remember... If you wonder, if you doubt, if you think, will this promise come to pass? Remember what God has said about securing all of his, of his promises for you. This is what he says, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, we're not sure about how many that is. It's so many. Paul doesn't even try to number them. He just says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. In Christ. So through him, 
the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You see the dynamic there? God makes many great and precious promises to his people. And then Jesus comes and he says, this promise is yes for you. That promise is yes for you. This other promise over here, that's yes for you. And and we're overwhelmed. And so we say in response, amen. (laughs) Amen to that, Lord. Amen to that, Lord. Amen to that, Lord. And it just keeps washing us over like waves. That's how it works. God speaks. Jesus fulfills. And we receive. Hallelujah. What a Savior is ours. So if you have Jesus, it's this simple. You have the promises of God. They've been fulfilled by Christ. It's not your job to fulfill them. You can't. He did it. They're secured in Christ. They're yours through Christ. Best word I can give you is stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus this day. And when tomorrow comes, stick with him tomorrow. And just stick with Jesus through this whole transition. And you can't go wrong. He knows where he's going. Keep your eyes on him. The heart of all the promises of God, I believe, are contained in what the Lord says to Joshua in verse 5 of our text today. That's the heart of it. And by the way, have you noticed or realized by now that the name Joshua in the Old Testament, that sound like anything? It's the same name as Jesus in the New Testament. Yahshua. And it means the Lord saves. The Lord is salvation. Complete salvation salvation. So, you see what's happening here. When the Lord speaks this word to Joshua in the wilderness heading for the promised land, this is also the Father speaking to his precious beloved Son in the desert on the way to a cross, to a tomb, and to a heavenly throne. And this is also a heavenly Father speaking to all his sons and all his daughters in the wilderness heading for a promised land. And so he says in verse 5, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. These words are echoed in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 5 in the New Testament. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Promise of God. And they're very similar to some of the last words spoken by Jesus here on planet Earth. Matthew 28, verse 20, he said, Surely, to his followers, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always. That's the heart of God's promise fulfilled in Christ on your behalf. I am with you always. And you may say, but I, I don't feel his presence. He says, I am with you always. You may say, but I don't deserve his presence. He says, I am with you always. And you may say, but I'm no Moses and I'm not even a Joshua. He says, I am with you always. In order to move ahead into the promised land, you have to get into the habit of living your life in the presence of God right now. That's reality. Here's what I want you to understand, though. A little distinction I want to make right now 
you already are in the presence of God. Have you thought about that as you're sitting here today, as you came here today? Right now. He is with you. He is with us at this moment by his Holy Spirit as we speak. Day after day, when you wake up, he is there with you. You go about your routine, whatever you face, he is nearby. As we walk through this transition time over the next 15 months, he leads the way and has our back. He never leaves you. And you don't have to make a long journey to get into God's presence. God is the one who made the journey. God made the journey in Jesus Christ all the way from heaven to earth to reach you, to find you, to save you, to lead you home. So you're already there, you see, if you're a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, a son or daughter of a heavenly father. Begin to acknowledge that and live out of the reality of that, that God is saying to you, I am with you always. I read one time about a large family where there were seven brothers and sisters, and two of the sisters didn't get along at all. They had hardly spoken to each other in over a year. They lived in the same house, ate at the same table, watched TV in the same room, but they spoke to each other only when absolutely necessary, which is not very often. For the most part, each refused to acknowledge the presence of the other. That's a strange and sad way to live, isn't it? But that's what we do with God sometimes. We pretend he's not right here with us. We, we pretend He's not aware of what we're going through. We pretend we're all alone. We pretend we can't really lean on him. We pretend it's all about us. We pretend it's all up to us. But by failing to acknowledge his presence, we miss out on the blessings of his presence and his provision. I am with you always. He wants you to be grounded in that for whatever comes your way. So if you want to move into the promised land, believe the promise of God's permanent residency in your life. He's not going anywhere. God's permanent residency in your life. It's his land. He is there, and you are his. So he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. Acknowledge his presence. Expect it. Depend on it. Live in it. A place of promise place of promise awaits you, a place of contentment and joy and peace and abundance and satisfaction. It's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. I just know it. I can feel it in my bones. And God will lead you into it. You're already well underway. Shelley and I will be walking with you for a good long while yet, God willing, in that blessed direction. And then one day, you'll turn around and we won't be. But God will be, always, for he has promised, I am with you, always. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And that is our hope. Amen? Amen.